Welcome to The Big Cheese Show, your destination for fantasy sports domination. Now, here's your host, Chris The Big Cheese Cheon. Welcome, everybody, to The Big Cheese Show. A huge weekend up ahead, divisional round in the NFL playoffs. We bring on the guy who has been absolutely killing it, the odds fellow Anthony Latino, joining The Big Cheese Show. Anthony, what's good, brother? What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You know, on the year with the NFL, I was about 60%, just a hair under. Um, wow. My other pick. So, you know, something I didn't do as well in wildcard weekend, but something I want to continue to build off and be disciplined about. If you're above 55% in this business, you're doing okay. So Yeah, I probably have a couple parlays juicing that up a little bit, but it, but it was overall a pretty successful year, especially once some of the data started coming out you know, later in the season. Hell yeah. Well, let's keep it rolling, man, and let's talk about the first game, Anthony. San Francisco, seven-point favorites is what my book has at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Anthony, a stat I heard this morning on VEASAN on SiriusXM, Vikings playing outdoors in January since 1988, 2-11 straight up and against the spread. How much do you take into consideration trends like this? I do like a lot of the trends. I think sometimes you got to be careful with them if they're if they're very extreme. You you might even play it the other way and start thinking about some regression because a lot of that stuff starts floating back to somewhere in a forty to sixty percent range. Um, another big one I heard because I, I saw that one on the Vikings as well. Another crazy one about Zimmer was uh, his record at ATS against non-divisional opponents, which obviously the you know Vikings Niners different NFC divisions since two thousand fourteen when Zimmer took over. He's forty four nineteen and one against the spread, which is another trend, you know, leading you towards them. And there's something that I'm considering as well when I'm placing wagers this weekend. Do we like the idea of a team playing a wild card game, right? Being in rhythm a little bit, getting used to a postseason atmosphere, or do you side with teams like the Niners and the Ravens, the Chiefs, Packers, who had the additional week off that their bodies can heal? I don't know. Is momentum something that you believe in when it comes to football? I do. I like looking at those momentum spots. I like looking at, I think health is a big factor that plays into that though. And one of, you know, I was talking to a good buddy who's a huge Niners fan. You know, he grew up in New Jersey, so he shouldn't be a Niners fan, but right. he is. I'm a Dolphins um, fan from New Jersey, <laughs> so I'm just as bad. Well, I'm a Cowboys fan, so we're all terrible. <laughs> there we people. go. But, um, you know, he specifically said, as I asked him about their defense, right down the stretch, I think that defense struggled a little bit. So although I think you'll generally see that some of those teams maybe come out a little rusty, start a little slower, um, you know, I think if they were getting healthy and doing the right things and have a disciplined coaching staff, it probably doesn't play into it as much. So definitely something I think about. You know, the Ravens are an interesting one because I, I think they had a meaningless Week 17 game. So when you think about the Ravens, you're potentially even more of a layoff, right? A lot of those starters didn't play in Week 17. So, you know, does that factor in more or less? I definitely think something you got to consider. You also have to think the odds makers in Vegas is getting smart and they're, they're considering it a lot too. We're going to get to our picks here against the spread at the end of our conversation. Stay tuned. Still previewing the games here. Big Chew Show brought to you by Driscoll and D. Simone, LLC. Tax season officially here in a couple of weeks. Check out my guys. Diversify your portfolio. Get the best return and grow your business. Time to make that money in 2020. No doubt about it. I need to do so as well, being that I am now newly engaged, Anthony. So let's win some money. Yes, sir. (laughs) I did it in Baltimore. That takes us to our second game. The Ravens 10-point favorites. 
against Tennessee. Mark Ingram practicing Thursday, apparently looking good. Would it have made a difference to you, Anthony, or not if Mark Ingram played as far as where you're looking at in this game? I don't think it would have because of the side that I'm on that we'll get to. It probably would have made it more favorable for me, to, to be completely honest. The two spots that, that I definitely like in this matchup. Um, it would have been interesting to see what the lines makers did and if they had a big adjustment for it because you probably take a bit of the running game from the traditional running backs for granted just because of what they've been able to do. You know, so much focus on Lamar Jackson. But, uh, you know, I think it would impact the line to some degree. Wouldn't necessarily impact where I was going to be. Probably favors where, I, where I'm leaning anyway. Derrick Henry, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what my expectation for him is this week because the Ravens were fourth best per game in terms of yards allowed on the ground but yards per attempt 4.4 that was like something like 10th worst in the NFL and they can be had on the edges a little bit do you think I I guess I'm teasing a little bit here but like you know Derrick Henry factor do you think he will be able to run on this Ravens defense because to me I just don't know where their offense comes from because you're going to try and have Ryan Tannehill throw on Humphrey and Jimmy Smith with Earl Thomas in the secondary I just don't see where Tennessee scores yeah and he's been so interesting with with both him and Tannehill down the stretch and what they did to some of those offenses now I really dug into and I was honestly on the path Last I was I too. I just a lot of the hype. Yep, yeah, yep. I, I thought you know between Derrick Henry and some of the stats, as well as Tannehill and some of the stats and some of their matchups, they, you know, they had a favorable schedule and favorable matchups down the stretch that I thought helped them. You know, hurt would hurt them leading into New England, and it really didn't matter. So what's interesting here is when you really dig into the Ravens' rushing stats. To your point, you know, Pro Football Focus has them ranked number fifteenth against the rush. So kind of middle of the pack, right? And they're 12th in tackling, also not you know great. Um, DVO, DVOA rush defense, the Pats were sixth overall in the league in 2019. The Ravens 19th. Ooh. So when you really start going under the hood of some of these stats, like Derrick Henry could have a field day, and the rushing attack could be a bit of an option for them. So that might be a prop to look at with him. I, I don't know how inflated it is, just because of you know his prior success. But you know down the stretch, he really isn't having a ton of hundred yard games against. EVAO teams that were ranked, you know, 14th or below. Um, I, I think at the time he didn't have any 100-yard games against teams that were 14th or below. New England was sick in run and number one overall. So that was a key factor I was pointing at that ended up meaning nothing, you know, but interesting that the Ravens are on the other side of that spot, right? It's even worse. Yeah, I'm looking at their implied team total here of 28 as well. I do think that the Ravens' offense will eclipse that. I'm just trying to decide – the over under Tennessee 17 and a half. Can they really put two touchdowns and a field goal plus on this Ravens defense? I think my lean right now, I, I know I know what you're saying about the Ravens tackling and the DVOA rush defense. I just don't know that that is still enough to get to 17. On the Ravens and the Titans, one thing I'm watching, not really on paper, but you know, just an interesting thing to consider is the special team units. I think you saw firsthand how good the coaching of Rabel has been down the stretch and against Belichick. You saw the little tricks that he pulled out that were right from Belichick in terms of running another minute 40 off the clock with those penalty. I think it was the offsides and the delay of game and the alternating penalties so he could bleed some of that clock off. Uh, Harbaugh is a special teams coach, and they both have great special team units. So when you do start looking at the totals, to your point, I don't know game plan-wise how much these teams will, you know, how aggressive they'll be. I think it'll be a lot of running the ball. I think it'll be a lot of key special teams, strategic moving. Um, so, you know, something to consider on both sides of those team totals or the, or, or the overall total. All right. Let's uh, talk about, 
a battle of two of the greatest young quarterbacks in the league, not named Lamar Jackson, kicking off 305 East Coast on Sunday in Kansas City. It'll be the Chiefs' 10-point favorites against the Texans. Now, Anthony, I heard a lukewarm t- – actually, you know what? I, I don't even think it's lukewarm. I think it's very reasonable. Who's the better quarterback here, Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? To me, it's Deshaun Watson. I think he is kept in a little bit of a bubble by Bill O'Brien and not unleashed until sometimes it's too late, as we saw against Buffalo. But I just don't think if I think Deshaun is better than Mahomes just from a pure skill standpoint that the Texans should be getting 10 points. Now, the thing about Kansas City is their defense – Although some of the metrics are not exactly glamorous, and you could speak more to this, they, to me, have looked good, and, and they prevent the big, deep play with the Honey Badger back there. How do you – do you think this line is right, this 10 points? It's interesting because it's definitely – it actually opened at 8, and it's moved all the way up between 9.5 and 10, which means it was already past the key number 7. You're starting to cross some others or hit another number in you know 9 and 10. Uh, so interesting that it's it's moved that much, and really interesting because you got to remember back in week six, uh, these teams matched up in Arrowhead, right? So carbon copy of what's happening now, besides the timing, and obviously timing factors a lot into it. But you know, in going into that game, the the Chiefs were only a four and a half point favorite, so very different spread to start. Mm. And Houston won that game outright; they won thirty one twenty four. So I think that shows you where the line is, what Vegas, what the odds makers are thinking. Um, I think they're looking at the coaching matchup. They're looking at some of the trends, which, you know, I can get into. Um, yeah, so I, I think that line is very telling, especially with that spot that these teams have played each other before. All right. So what are some of the recent trends you've been seeing uh, from both sides that you want to mention? Yeah, well, I think to your point with the, the metrics from a defensive standpoint, you know, they did play a lot. And you probably heard a lot of that in the media that 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 defense really shaped up um, down the stretch. Yeah, obviously week 17. They weren't really playing for for as much against the Chargers. But, you know, week 15 and week 16, keep in mind against who they were playing offensively. You know, they give up three points to the Broncos, three points to the Bears, 16 points to the Patriots in week 14. Week 13 was, you know, nine points to the Raiders. So you see that trend of them really starting to, you know, get into shape and play well down the stretch no matter who they were playing. Um, But what's interesting on the trend side of things and coaching mismatch, you know, that may be out there is, O'Brien versus Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid historically has some playoff-related, you know, tags and things he wants to shed. He he did win the game uh, last year, playing pretty well, beating the Colts 31-13. But off of bye week, so having you know generally eight to fifteen days, a week plus a bye week of rest since 2003. So that includes bye weeks, regular season, and playoffs. He's 36-25 and one against the spread. It's probably a trend you heard a lot during the regular season of mm-hmm. oh, Andy Reid off a of bye, you know, a, a good bet. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets even a little bit tighter when you dig into it and you say, well, he's 13 and four against the spread when closing as a favorite of a touchdown or more, which is this case, right? And he's three and one in the playoffs in those same scenarios, including the Colts victory last year. So everything towards the rest and the, you know, even if they come out rusty, a lot there trend wise speaks to Reed having these guys prepared, an offense that got healthy, had Tyre, you know, had now has Tyreek Hill back against a, you know, Bill O'Brien, who doesn't get a ton of credit. To your point, maybe he's even bubbling off Watson. Three, eight, and one against the spread as a dog, an underdog of seven or more, and 17, 20, and one against the spread as an underdog. So, just little things in the coaching matchup, too, that even if you perceived 
it to be a coaching coaching mismatch. I think the rest favors uh, Andy Reid of the Chiefs. Yeah, not to be lost is the acquisition of Terrell Suggs, that veteran presence and pass rusher, playing 45% of the snaps last week, so getting more acclimated with this defense since coming over because he was only on 27% in his debut for Kansas City. So certainly something to consider when you are looking at that 20 and a half. I don't know that Suggs in his age is going to be able to chase down Deshaun Watson if he is able to take off, but... Um, the playoff experience alone. One thing in that similar token, on I, I personally think Houston did get an emotional lift. It probably affected game planning, too, by having the return of J.J. Watt last week, right? He probably took some double teams. You know, he made some tackles, made some hits. I'm not sure if he had any sacks, uh, you know, or, or, or key pass rushes, but definitely made a presence just from a leadership standpoint. So you got to imagine some of that emotional lift of having him right back on the field also wears off compared to the Terrell Suggs presence, you know, with a relatively young defense in Kansas City. All right, let's wrap up with the game in Green Bay. Now four and a half the Packers are favored against Seattle. Man, Anthony, to me, Vegas is begging you to take the Seahawks. I mean... I don't. I, I my lean is that way to start. I mean, it's hard for me to bet against Russell Wilson getting four and a half points against the Green Bay team, albeit has had some really great moments this season. And then I keep thinking about games like when they played against the Chargers earlier this year. I think that there's no problem as far as motivation goes. Obviously, this is the playoffs now. It's going to be cold. I don't really know that that gives an advantage one way or another. Seattle's used to playing in these nasty conditions. Four and a half, kind of a lot, I think, giving Russell Wilson. Do you think so? Yeah, I don't love that it keeps going up, but I think to the point we were talking about some of the spreads and some of the lines before, it's a little telling. I mean, uh, percentage-wise, this was before it moved from to four to four and a half, so I don't have the updated stats, but when it was sitting around four, you had about 61% of the bets on the public dog on Seattle with about 56, 57% of the money. So your 39% of the bets on Green Bay were still driving, you know, a higher dollar percentage. And I think if you have that percentage sitting somewhere in the, you know, 40 to 50 range and those trends kind of continue where the line is even moving in that direction, right? This thing could be getting steamed a little bit too. You're not really on a key number at, you know, four, four and a half. You're kind of floating around it. You know, obviously not as key as three, uh, but four still a, a big spot. I think what's really interesting on, Seattle versus Green Bay is, you know, they were both pretty good against the spread, especially Seattle away, uh, which supports your point, too, and just how Russell Wilson has carried them and, and stepped up. But they didn't look great against Philly, and they didn't look great in a lot of spots down the stretch, which is which is going to be an, an interesting uh, matchup, I think. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think their defense is not as great. My only concern really with the Packers is, and it, and it has been this case all year, Outside of Devontae Adams, their receiving core is not trustworthy. They can drop big play potentially, and that could hurt them as far as putting points on the board. So finally, what everybody's been waiting for, again, you can find Anthony Latino on Twitter at the underscore odds underscore fellow. This guy tweets every night action. One of the best follows on Twitter. The floor is yours, Anthony. Let's get into the official odds fellow pick starting with divisional round Saturday. Let's do it. So Saturday, I'm skipping the Minnesota and San Francisco game, which is a little disappointing. I think I'm going to continue to keep my eye on it. Overall, I definitely lean uh, Minnesota in the points at, at a touchdown or greater. But I do think, you know, um, Niners getting healthy is going to be an interesting spot. So hopefully a fun game no matter what, um, but no official play for me. So where I start then is Tennessee and Baltimore. And there's going to be two plays 
uh, on those games that I do like. I am taking the Titans at plus. Uh, I have them at plus nine and a half. Also going to be watching for some plus tens. Um, I just think the running attack, the special teams, the focus, some of the momentum coming off last week. I think they keep this thing tight. One interesting stat that I didn't mention before that I saw on Lamar Jackson. Again, some of this includes last year, but road underdogs against him, eight and three against the spread. So when you start making that spread a little bit bigger, I do think the Titans are a good spot. I will also be playing the under in that game, which is under 47. Just speaking to some of what we said before about the rushing attack, the special teams. Um, you know, I, I think that number uh, is, is a good spot um, to play that under and, and hope that these teams really grind it out and continue that rushing reliance that they had, um, you know, that the Ravens had all year, given the Lamar Jackson attack and that the Titans have obviously had down the stretch. And especially, you know, if you look at the, the yard split between Tannehill and Derrick Henry and the other running backs uh, in the past game. Ravens, Titans, let's get a score. Definitely. So Ravens, Titans, let's see. So we're playing that under. Um, Which I have at 47. Yeah, yep. And the same number I have as well. So I like it at about a 23 to 16 game in favor of the Ravens. All right, that would mean that would mean both team totals at this point would be under. Let's move on to Sunday, Anthony. In Kansas City, another 10-point game, at least with my book. Chiefs favored at home. What do you think's going on in this one? So, although it's a it's another, you know, I went the other way with the big favorite uh on the Saturday matchup, but here I am taking the Chiefs at that minus nine and a half. I just think some of those Andy Reid trends in the coaching matchup matter. I think the offense getting healthy matters and you know at the end of the day i think um houston is going to be a bit overmatched i think that that line is telling because of the revenge spot that it's in compared to the previous spread and i just don't know that they can uh they can keep up especially you know given the bill o'brien bubble that you mentioned before uh one thing to watch out for just with them you know i'm not playing the total could turn into a bit of a shootout i think there's a lot of trends that favor an under 51 which is a pretty high number I've gotten burned too many times by uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs as well as Watson in separate games um, to even think about that. But one thing that will help the Texans overall potentially, you know, keep up uh, their scoring efforts if you're looking at team totals is going to be uh, Will Fuller and if he plays or not. He really stretches the field and changes yeah. the dynamics of that offense, which I think is underrated. Let's get to the last game. Packers four and a half point favorites. What do you say? So it's actually my favorite. I do have some money already on minus four. We'll continue to watch to see if it dips back down. So officially I'm on the the Green Bay Packers at minus four. So would you buy um, the hook, however? Do you think that is important if it is at four and a half now? I don't think it's as important as a three and a half to three. Um, so I'd probably leave it as is because you're, I think you're less exposed. But something to watch if you can get it at the right you know, limits, depending on what your book allows, um, you know, definitely could be a factor. I, I do think... Moving it to four and a half, they're trying to get it back down. So it'll be interesting to see if it if it hits back to four or even three and a half before game time. Anthony Latino, he is the odds fellow, not just NFL, but all sports. My dude is absolutely crushing it. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me, bro. Thank you, brother. Go get that wedding money. Now we switch gears here on the Big Cheese Show from the NFL to the XFL. I had the opportunity to chat with XFL CEO Oliver Luck, who's also Andrew Luck's father, and I led off the conversation asking Oliver about the double forward pass among some of the new rules that are being implemented and what exactly that will look like. So I'll, I'll give you the rationale, which, which may help. So, you know, I don't know, 65, 70% of plays nowadays, quarterbacks are in the shotgun, right? 
And when you're already five yards deep, it's difficult to really, you know, have a lateral, you know, to, to throw to a wide out because uh, he's got to be behind you, right? You know, six yards deep or seven or whatever, which, you know, gives away, in a sense, the, the play. So as we thought about it, we said, you know, why not, you know, redefine what a forward pass is as long as it doesn't cross the line of scrimmage, you know, you can throw it a second time. And that includes, you know, the little pop pass on the jet sweep, you know, which is technically a forward pass. Yeah. Uh, but you can allow that guy to throw it or a running back who's, you know, swinging out of the backfield. And that's it also, we think, makes it easier for the officials because there is always a referee at the line of scrimmage, as you know, you know, and he can easily see if that ball crosses the line of scrimmage or not and doesn't have to worry so much about is that a backward pass, you know, a lateral or a forward pass. So as we kind of put that all into consideration, we thought, Let, let's, let's give that a shot. And uh, we, we tested it a bunch of times with JUCO kids and, and some, uh, a bunch of semi-pro you know, leagues. And uh, we, we think it makes some sense. You know, how often will we see a double forward pass? Who knows? Maybe once a game, you know. Uh, but when we do see it, I think it's uh, typically a big play. Heck, I think, uh, I think Edelman threw like three touchdown passes this year, you know, on, on stuff like that. So we, we, we think that uh, it, it makes some sense. We think it'll be fun and, uh, and, and, you know, more big plays, better football in our mind. I'm very excited about some of the names on the D.C. Defenders roster. Obviously, you got Cardell Jones playing quarterback, but guys like Malachi Dupree, he was a big-time receiver during his time at LSU. Trey McBride, local guy from William & Mary. You've got Will Likely, corner out of Maryland. So at least with the D.C. Defenders, a lot of recognizable talent on this roster. You know, so what, what we're seeing really is, uh, you know, the – the, the best 560 players, all, the, all of our teams are down in Houston in, in training camp, as you know, and each of the eight teams has about 70 guys on the roster now. But, you know, arguably the best 560 players that aren't under contract uh, in the National Football League. And, you know, I, I think that, that, that it's so hard to make an NFL roster. There's so many guys that, that you know, kind of yo-yo up and down, and they, they get a year or two or three in. I think Trey McBride, as an example, you know, spent four years in the league. And these guys are good players. They're, they're experienced players. They're professional, you know, in their attitude and in their approach. And you mix that up with, uh, you know, some younger guys coming out of school, a guy like Tyree Jackson, who, you know, I wouldn't count him out. He's a pretty talented player. Cardale, yeah. Cardale no question. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about watching him and seeing if he can regain that magic he had at Ohio State in the great national championship run. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Tyree is, is super talented and, you know, very skilled. And, and you know, we'll, we'll, So there, there are some really good football players. I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that across the league with all of our teams. But I think Pep Hamilton and, and his staff have done a very nice job of, you know, assembling their roster. And having a guy like Bob Stoops as one of the faces of your league certainly doesn't hurt. Football people know who Bob Stoops is, no doubt. Well, you know, it, it, it's sort of a – everything's a building block. And in a sense, when, when, uh, when we were able to hire Bob, you know, a guy that I've known for years, uh, when we were able to hire Bob, you know, all of a sudden other coaches became interested in our league uh, because they know the type of guy Bob is. Bob's not a, a gimmicky guy. He's a real football man right through and through. And, you know, so after, after we hired Bob, all of a sudden the interest level that we had from other coaches, you know, began to peak. And, 
you know, and players see that as well, right? So, I mean, if you're a young quarterback, who 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 wouldn't want to play for Bob Stoops? He's coached Heisman Trophy winners, recruited multiple Heisman Trophy winners, right? If you're a young quarterback, I can't imagine playing for, you know, a better opportunity than to play for a guy like Bob Stoops, particularly when you know that Hal Mummy, the father of the air raid offense, is his offensive coordinator. They might throw the ball 70 times a game. It'll be fun to watch. So, uh, you know, it's all a building block. And, and uh, to, to have Bob on early, I think he was the first head coach that we hired, you know, helped us, I think, you know, gain, gain some of that credibility and really attract other, you know, high-quality coaches and players. Now, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, but I got to ask it. I covered your son's press conference when he retired, and it was such a pleasure to watch him, cover him during his NFL career. Do you see any involvement with Andrew potentially in the XFL, maybe not playing, but management, coaching, helping you out? Well, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's very happy uh, right now with his wife. They, they just had their first child about six weeks ago, so he's enjoying himself. Uh, as you could imagine, right, uh, he and I talk a lot, and we do talk about football, and he's been, uh, I guess, an unofficial sounding board for a lot of uh, things that we, you know, would consider some of the rule changes and, and other things. Uh, I, I don't think he'll have a formal role with us, but you know, given, the, given that, you know, he's my son and we have a – great relationship you know I do bounce a lot of ideas off of him and and he'll ask some of his uh, you know current uh, you know friends in the in the league you know about some of those things so we did get some very good sort of informal feedback from him and and uh, some of his his former teammates that was Oliver Luck the CEO of the XFL the league getting underway as soon as the NFL ends February 8th 9th Games airing nationally on Fox, ABC, and ESPN. Thank you so much for tuning into the Big Cheese Show. We will be back Friday night through the weekend with our DFS show featuring Bobby Firestone. This guy plays DFS for a living, dominates baseball, football, basketball, you name it, winning money regularly in a non-colluding way. Music in this episode is Rev by Eveningland. Please, 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 please subscribe on iTunes. It will make a bro's day. Big Cheese Show out. Thank you for listening.